Our scripture this morning is Genesis 1 through Genesis 2, 4. We will read together this beautiful creation poem, and it's familiar. We just saw it in pictures and got to participate in it. So I invite you to really sit and dwell with it. If it's helpful for you to read along, you can find it on page one, easily enough, of your Bibles. Um, If it's helpful for you to close your eyes to imagine these scenes, I invite you to do that. But let us dwell with this beautiful story. In the beginning, when God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos. Darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night, and there was evening and morning the first day. Then God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters above and the waters below. So God made the dome and separated them. It was so. God called the dome sky and there was evening and morning the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters gathered together, seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with seeds in it, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with seeds in it, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth to rule over the day and night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. And so God created great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on earth. And there was evening and morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humans in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth 
over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humans in God's image, in the image of God. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seeds upon the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the air and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that God made and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude. On the sixth day, God finished the work, and God rested on the seventh day from all of the work. God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all of the work done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God of creation, I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, Yesterday, I had the great honor and privilege of uh, offering the invocation and benediction at the commencement ceremony for Wayne County Community College District. Their downtown campus is right across the street over there. And uh, they gathered with all of their campuses at Ford Field yesterday for uh, commencement. And it was such a fun celebration, um, partially because they, this was their first in-person graduation since COVID, and so they invited graduates from the past three years to participate so they could actually walk across the stage. It was so fun and huge, and there were so many uh, family and friends there supporting, and I got to go into the visitor locker room at Ford Field and see behind the scenes and ride around in a golf cart, and it was so exciting to just get the experience. But Pastor Garrett and I truly, truly feel honored to um, have opportunities like this, like praying before the marathon um, that comes right, starts right in front of Fort Street, where we get to sort of bring a spiritual presence to activities or groups or situations that aren't necessarily religious in themselves. It's a true, true honor, and we try to uh, represent you all well and to be a helpful presence for folks. But I'll tell you something very interesting happens when you wear a robe and a stole like this in a public setting like that, that isn't necessarily religious. There's a lot of interesting things that happen, but one in particular is that people will come up to you and have some very deep conversations. All morning long, I was there for probably four to five hours between practice and setting up and robing and the ceremony, and all morning long, people would come up to me um, to ask me really deep questions or hard questions or uh, to tell me to lament something about their lives or to um, tell me a struggle that their church was having. And um, it's, it's a very sacred experience to just 
interact with people in that way. And I had one interaction in particular that um, really stuck with me, so much so that it, it kind of informed what I wanted to share this morning. Uh, this man came up to me in the midst of the ceremony and he said, hey, I saw your, your bio in the, in the program here, so I know you're, you're a real theologian. And I, I, I've got a question for you. He said, can we lose our salvation? Uh, forget small talk. Like, if you're wearing this, you don't get any chat about the weather. Just straight to, can we lose our salvation? We talked for quite a while, actually, and he shared more about what he meant. And it was such an interesting question. Because often when people think in those words, what they're really thinking is, am I going to go to heaven or hell? I, you know, was part of a tradition maybe where I prayed a prayer and invited Jesus into my heart, but I know I've done some really bad things since then. Has God given up on me? Can I lose my salvation? If I were to die right now, would I go to heaven or hell? A lot of times when people ask questions like this, that's really what they're sort of getting at. But it became clear as I was having a conversation with this man that that is not what he meant at all. He was thinking about humanity in general. And he said, Reverend, I'm just, I'm looking at the world and I'm seeing what we're doing to ourselves with the issue of gun violence. I'm seeing how few people have so much money and how many people can barely, barely, barely get by. I'm seeing people starve to death in the richest countries of the world. I'm seeing, this man was a veteran. He said, I'm seeing my friends and other veterans come home from really traumatic situations and having to fight to get any kind of mental uh, health help, I just feel like we're getting to a place where God might give up on us. Can we lose our salvation? I wonder how you would answer that question. Last Sunday, we celebrated Pentecost. Many of you wore red, we decorated the sanctuary, and we told the story of God's spirit coming down like flaming tongues and resting on the heads of the followers and filling their souls and their spirits. And it was a moment Pastor Garrett shared about where the followers of Jesus, the disciples, thought they were at the very end. Things seemed desperate, things seemed hopeless, they'd seen Jesus be executed and crucified, they were now being targeted, and they thought, surely this is the end. They felt at kind of an impasse, crisis moment themselves. And then God's spirit arrived in this dramatic, rushing wind, flaming tongues of fire, and they knew God was up to something different. But they still weren't quite sure what the next steps were. We've talked about at this church a few times how we, we generally follow the lectionary, this three-year cycle of scripture texts that take us through the course of the whole Bible. And it's so interesting and beautiful to me that the lectionary text takes us from the story of Pentecost to the story of creation, all the way back at the beginning. I think it's as if the people that helped structure this lectionary knew that we would get to this kind of crisis point of Pentecost where 
We had the spirit and we saw that God was doing something new, but we didn't know what we should do next. So they said, take a breath and go back to the beginning. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. And then you'll know your next steps. So we go from the fire of Pentecost back to the beginning to think again about how it all started. And we read this account. This is one of two stories of creation from the Bible about how God created and what human beings were made of and how we came to be in the world. And I want to be clear with this text in this denomination, in this church. We don't read this text scientifically. We don't read it to understand the how and to argue about exactly what 24 hours meant in evening and day. We know that this is not a textbook that gives us the how answers. We realize that this is a beautiful love poem that tells us the why and the who of creation. It allows us to wrestle with what it means to be human and who God is and how we should approach one another because of that. And it's a story that people talk about, but I think often rush over because more often, particularly within our reformed vein of Christianity, we really like to start with the story of sin. We really like to skip ahead a couple of chapters to Genesis 3 with the apple and Adam and Eve and the snake and to talk about how broken we are and how much pain is in the world. And we forget that there's something significant about the beginning, about this blessing that comes before that story. There are Christian denominations that only emphasize the sin side of things. There are Christian denominations that only emphasize the working on salvation and earning salvation kind of thing. But wherever we all are on that spectrum, I think it would serve us well to go back to the beginning and to actually sit with this part first. What is this beginning? It speaks of goodness. It speaks of the image of God. It speaks of blessing and commissioning. It speaks of the diversity of creation. We heard over and over again, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. I think if you were to tell people to just give one snap judgment of the Bible, a lot of people would say, oh, it's It's filled with rules about what not to do. It has more to do with what is wrong than what is right. But actually, depending on which words exactly you translate, the word good appears in the Bible over 800 times, and the word bad appears in the Bible about 50 times. There's a lot more goodness than we give the Bible credit for. It was good, it was good, it was very good good. We are here in June at the beginning of Pride Month, and I find such great value in listening to the voices of queer theologians, particularly around this story, the story of creation. And I think it's important, especially in this time where there is a lot of hatred ramping up, particularly to the trans and non-binary communities, And so I want to share with you uh, an interpretation of this story that a colleague of mine first shared in seminary. And I'll share this uh, perspective through the words of Asher O'Callaghan. Asher says, In the beginning God created day and night. But have you ever seen a sunset? 
trans and non-binary people are kind of like that. Gorgeous, full of a hundred shades of color you can't see in plain daylight or during the night. In the beginning, God created land and sea, but have you ever seen a beach? Trans and binary people are kind of like that, beautiful, a balanced oasis that is not quite ocean, not quite land. In the beginning, God created birds of the air and fish of the sea. But have you ever seen a flying fish or a duck or a puffin that swims and flies, spending both time in the water and on the land? Full of life, creative combination of characteristics that blow people's minds. In the beginning, God created male and female in God's own image. God created them. So in the same way that God created realities in between, outside of, and beyond night and day, land and sea, fish and birds, so also God created people with genders beyond male and female, all sorts of people for all sorts of relationships, created from love to love and be loved. In God's image, we live. God is still creating you. You are no less beautiful and wild than a sunset or a beach or a puffin. You are loved. You have a place here. This is where we start, the beginning of blessing and goodness and diversity of creation and being sent out to share that with the whole world. It does not mean that sin doesn't exist or that things aren't broken. We testify to that every week here. Every week we say a confession and we acknowledge the gap between who we are and who God intended us to be. It doesn't mean that we don't work towards being God's people a little better and more clearly every day. But when we start with a reminder of that blessing, we're in a much better rooted place than if we just start with the worry of salvation or the understanding of sin. Now, I am not a video game person by any means. Um, Pastor Garrett knows video games. He could speak to this probably better than I could. But I did have, when I was very young, the very first Nintendo system. And I had a super... No, it wouldn't have even been Super Mario Brothers. I think it was just regular Mario Brothers, right? Sure. Anyway, the very first Mario Brothers game. And so you're this little character, and you go through this, you know, sort of obstacle course of things to try to get to the end of the levels and save the princess in the end. And I remember getting stuck on this one level because there was this huge sort of canyon you had to jump over. And so I would get my little character right to the edge of it and try to jump him all the way across, and he could never make it, just fell right down off this cliff every single time. And like many other video games in this game, you got three lives, and so if you died, then you got to restart and pick up where you had left off and try to continue. And so over and over and over, for days and days and days, I would die in this, you know, cavern, this huge canyon that I couldn't make it over, and restart and try to get a little closer to the edge to jump and to make it all the way over, and I could never do it. And then a wise friend of mine was over who had much more experience playing this game and much more knowledge about it, and she said, you can't just start at the canyon, you have to go back to the beginning and get a running start. And so sure enough, I took my little character all the way back, 
and zoomed past all of the tempting golden coins and things that I thought I wanted instead to just keep my eyes on the prize and run all the way up to the edge of this cliff, and then I cleared it and jumped all the way over. This is what we do so much in our faith. We get stuck at the gap, and we just try to make it over when what God is whispering is go back to the beginning. Remember the blessing. Remember who you are. Remember that you are made in the image of God, and so are all of those around you. And with that knowledge, with that in you, get a running start, and you'll be able to clear the hurdles. You are made in the image of God. You are called very good. So is this earth, and so are those that you are surrounded by. If we would have the courage to go back to the beginning, to remember that truth, we might get enough speed to not just worry about our salvation, but to jump over and to work together into God's embrace. Would you pray with me? Holy God, help us to believe in our core the goodness and fullness that you bring to us. God, your spirit dwells in us, and we know that we are called good. Help us to bring out that blessing over and over and to share it with others. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.